Welcome to City Church. City Church is a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, good morning, City Church. Let's try that again. Good morning, City Church. Hey, so we are this Sunday concluding a very lengthy sermon series that we have been doing on the fall. Not only has it been the fall outside, but we've been taking a look at Genesis chapters 1 through 3, and we've taken a really in-depth look at the fall and what has happened and transpired because of it. The next sermon series that I'm going to begin preaching next week is on worship. So as we're moving towards Thanksgiving, we're going to take a look at worship in the scriptures, what that does, how it operates in the kingdom of God, and we're going to learn about how to worship in the sense of you and me becoming more worshipful in our lives. Now, being that this is the final day in this sermon series on the fall, there were a couple of things that I wanted to remind us of from prior sermons before we jump into the judgments of God. God in Genesis chapter 3 brings judgment against Adam, judgment against Eve, and judgment against the serpent. So we're going to look at that, but there are some things I wanted to remind you of or kind of bring to the front of our minds before I move in that direction. The other thing is, I know some of us here have never read the Bible. You've never read Genesis 1 through 3, or maybe this is the first time you're online worshiping with us or this is the first time you've been here in a long time, and so you're not really sure about where we are in the sermon series, so let me kind of highlight the things I'd like you to be aware of. First of all, in the Older Testament, we view the fall as Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at that a little bit this morning. But what we need to know is that in the Jewish mind, the fall goes from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to the flood of Noah. All of that's the fall. It's what happens after Adam and Eve cease to listen to God, they cease to trust God, and they take things into their own hands. What does it look like after that? That goes all the way to the flood. The other thing that I wanted to remind us of is this. I've come to the belief that Adam and Eve had a knowledge of good and evil before they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why do I believe this? Well, it's quite simple. How can you know what is right and wrong? In other words, it's wrong to eat of the tree. How can you know it's wrong to eat of the tree unless you already have some knowledge of good and bad? You have to have that. The other thing I believe is that Adam and Eve were not created immortal. I believe they were created mortal. Here's why I believe that. There's many reasons, but one of them is God looks at Adam and Eve and says, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they had a concept of right and wrong, good and bad. They knew that. And he said, if you eat of this tree, you will surely what? What does the text say? Die. They had an understanding of death. How can death be a deterrent unless you know what it is? But I believe that the tree of life was there to sustain them. They're mortal. And there's this tree in the center of the garden that the scripture says is the tree of what? Life. And so if they eat of the tree of life, 
then they'll continue to live. And we're going to notice in God's judgment, the final judgment of Adam and Eve, is they are banished from the garden. And the Bible says the reason why they're banished is so they can no longer have access to the tree of life. Therefore, they're going to actually experience death. So, looking at the scriptures, what we discover is we've got the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. I believe the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, the fruit of it, unlike the fruit of the tree of life, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil has no authority, no power at all, none. The tree is a resident symbol of good if I listen to God and I trust God, I experience good. It's also the tree of bad, the knowledge of bad or evil. How does it become that? It becomes that if Adam and Eve cease to listen to God, trust God, and obey God, if they take things into their own hands, they cease to listen to God. If they do that and take from the fruit of that tree, now they're going to experience bad, or they're going to experience a different knowledge of evil. So they already had knowledge of good and bad. They already had knowledge of good and evil. But once they take of the tree... Their understanding or their knowing of good and evil is going to be transformed. So what I believe happened is Adam and Eve knew good and bad. They knew right from wrong. They knew good and evil. And when they ate of that fruit, something transformed their understanding or their knowing of good and their knowing of evil. And I know this is difficult to understand, so I'm going to give you a clear explanation that's going to help you understand it. Here's my explanation. I have a very good friend of mine who was afraid of heights. How many people here are afraid of heights? How many of you admit it, even sitting next to her? Now you're willing to raise your hand. You're, you admit, afraid, right? Um, he was afraid. How many of you aren't afraid of heights? Heights don't bother you at all. You know, literature shows it's about a 50-50 split. Right? But I have a friend of mine who was relatively afraid of heights. Why are you afraid of heights? If you are. It's called death. <laughs> right? Fear of heights preserves you from what? Death. You got it? So ultimately, it's really a fear of death. Not a fear of heights. It's a fear of death. That makes sense. So, friend of mine who uh, had an experience where his knowledge of heights was transformed. I'm going to give you the, the little analogy. So this friend of mine went bungee jumping. So he, I think it was a bridge. It was many years ago he told me this story. But there's this bridge that the bungee jump was several hundred feet. So he gets up on the edge of the bridge. They tie it around his ankles, and he just vaults off into space. He falls several hundred feet, and the bungee catches him bounces him up and down. So do you think that that would transform his fear of heights? He has a new knowledge of the fear of heights, but it plays out in a very weird way. You wouldn't expect it. And so does Adam and Eve's knowledge of good and evil. It plays out in a weird way after they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And here's what happened to my friend. After he took the bungee jump, he explained to me that the next time he was near the edge of a cliff, 
his knees began to quiver and he hung onto the railing for dear life because he had the compulsion to jump. It was very different than what he had thought. It was such a rush. It was such a thrill that somehow he had kind of lost his fear of heights altogether. And so he said whenever he gets near a high spot, he has to grab his wife's arm or he has to hold on to something or he has to kind of go like this so he doesn't, because there's this weird knowledge. In other words, his knowledge of heights, his knowledge of death has now been transformed. It's a different knowledge. He had it, but now it's been transformed. That's what happens to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve have a transformed knowledge of good and of evil, and it's what God had never intended, and their transformation is weird. So let me ask you the question. Adam and Eve eat of the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, and the Bible tells us that the moment they're done eating, their eyes are opened, and what do they now know? They're naked. That's weird. I'm sorry. Right? Wouldn't you expect it to say they identify the snake as the devil? Their eyes were opened. I mean, there's a whole list of things. But the weird thing is, and the Bible repeats this in Genesis 3, that their eyes are opened, their knowledge of good and evil is now transformed, and when their eyes are opened, they go, we're naked. And the text says, you've always been naked. You were created that way. So what's happened? Their knowledge of good and bad, their knowledge of good and evil is now focused on themselves. And their world begins to spiral. And you and I know what that feels like. It's called shame. It's called guilt. It's called something that you wouldn't expect to be there. But the text tells us when their knowledge, because they didn't listen to God, they listened to the serpent, they didn't trust God, they began to trust in themselves, now the knowledge of good and evil in essence becomes real. Their experience now, their knowledge shifts, but again in a way that no one ever expected. All of a sudden, their knowledge of bad and good is focused on themselves. And many of us here, know exactly what that's like when you look in the mirror and you have guilt and shame. It's as old as the Garden of Eden. Now what the text tells us is that after Adam and Eve fall, they hide from God and they cover themselves. They begin to hide from each other. In other words, dysfunction relationally has now entered into the human race. And all of us have experienced that as well. Now we're going to go on to our readings for this morning. The first one is Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. And in Genesis chapter th uh, 3, verse 16, we're going to take a look at the three judgments that God brings. Now, admittedly, the first one is against the serpent. The next one is against the woman, and the third one is against Adam. But for the reason of this sermon, I'm switching it. The judgment against the serpent will be last, and then we're going to look at the judgment against the woman and the judgment against Adam in the correct order. So here we go, Genesis 3.16. Here's what the text tells us. To the woman, God said, 
I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With, what are the next two words? Painful labor. With painful labor, you will give birth to children and your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Again, here's my solid belief that the hierarchy between men and women did not exist in the created order. It now enters the human race here. God created Adam and Eve as co-equals. It's here that the dysfunction comes in. And here's what I also believe. If you look at the Newer Testament and you look at Jesus, Jesus returns that dysfunction back to God's original intent. That in Christ, man and woman is now brought back to equality again. They are co-equals. But here is God's judgment. This is where that dysfunction enters the human race, where all of a sudden it's the man, the woman, it's the authority structure. It's part of the curse. But please take note that the first curse on the woman is painful labor. Painful labor. Now, I have observed three births of my three children. This verse is 100% accurate. Not because I experienced it. It's because my wife did and I was there. And I realize why women get very upset when men say, we've given birth to three children. I get it. But now let's look at God's judgment on Adam. Genesis 3.17. So we move from 3.16, God's judgment on the woman, to 3.17, God's judgment on Adam. And listen to what God says. To Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife. Interesting. Reading on. Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you. You must not eat from it. So in other words, what we're discovering, God isn't saying to husbands, don't listen to your wife. So some husbands read this and said, finally, I have a verse that says I get to ignore my wife. I would strongly advise against that. But here's the idea. God says to Adam, because you listened to the woman... You didn't do what I told you to do. And the second question God ever asks Adam and Eve after they have fallen is this. Who told you you were naked? The intrinsic question in that question is, who have you been listening to? It's not me. That's what God's saying. You have listened to another voice and you have trusted another voice. And when you did, you just torpedoed your life. It's always been and always will be about hearing God and trusting him. It's still true to this day. We'll get to that at the close of the sermon. But as we look at our text, what we discover is God says to Adam, you listen to your wife. I told you 
to listen to me and to trust me. But because you didn't, Adam, here's what's going to happen. Here is, the ground is cursed because of you. Isn't it interesting that our sin never just affects just us? We think it does. Even the world will argue that that's true. It isn't. Our sin affects other people every time. God says to Adam, because of listening to a voice other than mine, the ground is now cursed, and then look at the next three words. Through, and what are the next two words? Painful, what? Toil. Painful labor. Painful toil. Painful labor. It sounds strangely familiar. God brings judgment against Eve and says, through painful labor. Then he looks at Adam and says, through painful labor, through painful toil. It strikes both of them. You will eat food from it all of the days of your life. God is saying so clearly to Adam and to the woman, you are going to experience pain and it's going to be extremely painful and it's going to be extremely difficult work. Painful labor, painful toil. So let's put it this way. God is safely assuming that for all of us who know this story, every time we see the pain of a woman in labor, we will remember the fall. No human being, especially during the times of the Bible, no human being ever came into this world without painful labor. All of them had it. All. I know many of you women rejoice in the glory of God that we now have painkillers for labor. But please know that for the woman, it's painful labor, and for the man, it's painful toil. In other words, he puts more in than he gets out. And he looks at his life, and he longs for the Garden of Eden when he got out more than he put in. But now it's not that way. And now there's thistles and thorns, and there's weeds, and he's going to work and work and work and work, and his return on investment is going to be drastically different than it was in God's will. I know what it's like to grow up on a farm and to work extremely hard. I know what that's like. I also know what it's like to have thorns and thistles in a field. And when I was a young boy, we just didn't have the herbicides that they have now. And so I could remember my dad would say to us about the same time every year, he'd say, boys, you're going to go out into the field and you're going to pick the weeds that you see, especially this one weed, it was called yellow rocket. It was a form of mustard and nothing ate it. The problem is, is if you don't pull up yellow rocket, it will put seeds over your entire field. And the next year you will have a useless harvest of yellow rocket. So every year, I couldn't stand this. It was all of you head to the hayfields and pull up every single strand of yellow rocket that you see. Man, what a colossal waste of time. Let me put it another way. 
For those of you who are so faithful to take notes in class, and you study diligently for every exam, and you're so well planned out, you never have to pull an all-nighter, ever. And then you sit for that exam, and you get an A every single time. Because return on investment always works. For you, those of you in college, how many times have you studied and studied and studied and then taken the exam and your ROI was not as high as you thought it should have been? Raise your hand. How many of you are in the middle of an all-nighter right now? Raise your hand. <laughs> See, the idea is, is that all of our work has this weird pain to it. We don't get the return we think we should have. And God basically announces every time you sense that, you need to know, remember the fall. The world is not the way God had intended. After there's judgment on the woman and there's judgment on Adam, Adam in Genesis 3, one, in, in chapter 3, verse 20, does something that's very strange. It's very weird. It's completely out of place. You know what he does? He renames the woman to Eve. He'd already named her. After God took half of himself and created Eve, we talked about that several weeks ago, he, Adam looks at her and calls her what? Woman. Calls her woman. And woman literally means out of man. He literally looked at her and saw the half of himself that God had used to create her. She completes me. We are co-equals. We are together in this. But after the fall, it's fascinating. Immediately after it, he names her. I should say renames her. And what does he name her? Eve. You know what Eve means? The mother of the living. And the rabbis teach that Adam no longer saw her as his equal. He now sees her for what she can do. She's the mother. She can give birth to children. He renames her. It's fascinating. Now we pick up our text, and as we do, we move a little bit further in, and we remember that as God brings judgment against Adam and Eve, he banishes them from the garden. And why is that? The text tells us. It's so they can no longer get to the tree of life. They've been mortal, and now they're banished from the garden. And in being banished, they are truly mortal. They'll never get back to the tree of life again. They will die just like God had told them. You see, the text is trying to encourage us. Listen to God. Trust God. Obey God. Now let's look at the serpent's curse. Because not only does God bring judgment against Adam and Eve, he also brings judgment against the serpent. Listen to what the text tells us. Genesis 3, 14 and 15. Here's what it says. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And what's really strange is the personal pronouns that come next. He 
will crush your head and you will strike, what does it say? His heel. In the middle of God's judgment, there's suddenly a strange promise. And the promise is this. Serpent, you will eventually meet one of Eve's sons. One of a a man who has come from her. And when you do, you're going to be filled with venom and hate. And you're going to attack him. And how does a serpent kill someone? All a serpent has to do with venom is bite your heel and you're dead. The serpent will do that, but this time something weird is going to happen. He's going to bite the heel of a he. And when he does, that individual is actually going to survive. For the first time, the serpent will bite a man, and the man will survive. And when he does, he's going to crush your head. Who do you think Genesis is speaking of? It's Jesus. So every time in the Bible, and please know this, every time God's judgment is announced, there's always the promise of a future in him, always, every time. And so snuck into God's judgment is this crazy promise. And the crazy promise is, serpent, you're going to meet one of Eve's sons, and when you do, you are going to do everything you can to kill him. And when you try, it'll be the worst mistake you've ever made. What we know about the Newer Testament is that all of hell Every demonic spirit, every evil thing that Satan and the serpent has ever unleashed came after Jesus, and for three days it looked like they had succeeded. They killed him. But on the third day, he was raised to life. And when he did, he crushed the serpent's head. And when we look at the scriptures... We read in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 and 15, the Apostle Paul writes this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. For in the many die, for if the many died by the trespass of one man, who's Paul talking about? Adam. How much more did God's grace And the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to many. And what's being talked about now is known as the second Adam. The first Adam failed. The second Adam succeeded. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22 says this, For since death came through a man, who's Paul talking about? Adam. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Will you stand with me as we close? You know, in my life, 
there's a constant reminder of the fall. And so, my mom raised us with this saying, and I'm, I don't know if you've ever heard it. If you have, complete it. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. My mom was a Brit, and I always assumed that came from England. And so what I've tried to do, and I'm not real faithful at it, is to eat an apple every day. So just this week, I said to my wife, Fran, I said, can we get some more apples in the house? So, of course, I bought some, and she bought some. So we have plenty of apples. So I got up this morning, and I took the apple as I was driving to the church, and I took a bite of it. Can you see that? I took a bite, and it was rotted inside. God wants us to be aware of the fall. He does. By the way, we had an apple orchard on our farm, and there was this joke. What's worse than finding a worm in an apple? Finding half a worm in an apple. But when I took a bite of this, I couldn't help but thinking again. We live in a fallen world. But Jesus stepped into this fallen world, and he didn't avoid the painful suffering, the painful labor. He was completely invested in the suffering of humankind. And when he did, the serpent struck his heel. But in the resurrection, he crushed his head. Believe me, there's so much evidence of the fall. But in Christ, there's an overwhelming confidence of the curse being broken and that there's a new way to do life and that you and I don't have to be subject to guilt and to shame. But we can have in Christ a new knowledge of good and of evil. It's available in him. Let's pray, and then Stephen's going to lead us in worship. Dear God, help us to be a group of men and women who are keenly aware of the fall. But through faith in you, Jesus, we now learn to trust, to listen to your voice. And as Romans just taught us, that what you provide for us can't be earned, it can't be bought, it's a gift, it's grace, and there's life in you for any who would ask. And we believe this, and we trust for this, in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.